0: The relative humidity, 96%. That's all the news from RTHK.
1: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your guest presenter is Paul Zimmerman. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Janice. On today's programme, we're talking about Japan's plan to release radioactive wastewater into the sea this year, something its neighbours, including Hong Kong, strongly oppose. The contaminated water was used to cool nuclear reactors damaged by the earthquake and tsunami that hit the Fukushima plant back in 2011. But Japan insists discharging it into the Pacific is completely safe. Some lawmakers here have called for an immediate ban on all seafood from Fukushima. But for now, the Environment Minister, Je-Chin says the ban will only go ahead if and when Japan discharges the wastewater. He also says the government would also consider tougher labeling rules for Japanese food as a precaution. So what do you think about Japan's plan and how do you think Hong Kong should respond? Should seafood from the area be banned immediately as some lawmakers suggest? After 9.45, we'll discuss discuss a nanoparks revitalization pilot project in Mong Kok. Let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 Now to kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line doctor Luk Luke-Bing Lam, Chairman of the Hong Kong Nuclear Society, and Professor Kenneth Leung, Director of City University's Skate state key laboratory of marine pollution good morning dr luke
2: uh, good morning
1: and uh, good morning professor Lung.
2: Uh, good morning
1: thanks for joining us on the program um so dr luke uh, can you first briefly explain where all this uh, wastewater comes from and uh how it's generated
2: yeah well um uh, basically all this um, uh, wastewater is um how they generate was that uh, because after the um uh, Fukuni- uh, Fukushima nuclear accident. Um, the uh, nuclear plant basically is uh, badly damaged. So, um, uh, um, and actually, um, because the uh, the plant is actually near the sea, and then at the back there's a, there's a mountain. So all the uh, water from the mountain actually um, uh, run through the um, uh, run down the, the the hill, and then uh, seep through the um, um the reactor, and then by going through the reactor, they actually um. Bring out some of the radioactive material, and also uh, um, and 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 then uh, and then uh, uh, it, it try to escape into the sea. But um, what the um, Japanese government did was they they putting um, uh, ice wall, uh, frozen, so using uh, water to frozen, um, you know near the near the uh, near the sea, and then to stop the water escaping into the sea, uh, and then they um, sort of like uh, collect those water and then put it in the tanks. So those waters are actually um, uh, highly radioactive because it's um, uh, full of these uh, um, radioactive uh, elements. I mean, probably more than 62, uh, around 62 uh, different radioactive uh, elements, uh, plus the um, um, the one talked about a lot is uh, the tritium.
1: Right. So that's
2: why it's, it's, uh, it, it is um, it's rather dangerous. Yeah. Right.
1: So, so now the Japanese government is uh, planning to release this wastewater into the ocean. It has been treated, but... Uh, it's uh, still radioactive. Uh, so, how much of a health risk does it pose?
2: Well, uh, based on the, the data and based on the, on, on the visit, I, I you know, based on the visit um, I made to uh, Fukushima in mid March, it's um, you know, the data shows is that uh, all all the uh, radio, uh, radioactive uh, element is well within the, the safety standard, and that's you know what the, uh, what they did in the um, laboratory. Uh so, uh so based on the data this seems to be okay but obviously uh that is what they did uh, you know in a small batch but what happened when you're doing a large scale you know uh, uh, releasing the water then this is a totally different ball game just like you did some, uh you do some experiment in the laboratory it's okay but when you come to the mass production or the mass uh, release of the water is it it may not be the same so so at the moment uh we do need um more data uh, from independent um, uh, soil bodies such as uh, I, uh, IAEA or other, uh, you know, uh, research institutes such as uh, IRSN in France. So we need those uh, information before we can say whether the water is safe or not.
1: Alright, let's go to uh, Professor Lang. Professor mm. Lang so do you share Dr. Luke's view? Uh,
3: I, I have some concerns because there are over 130 million tons of radioactive wastewater which can fill up 500 standard swimming pools. Uh, this uh, water will be treated and then uh, will be discharged by dilution uh, before being discharged in the ocean. And they're going to do it every day for 30 years. Uh, so we have some uncertainty here. First, it is not too sure if the treatment plant consistently performs well and the effluent only contains tritium, which is uh, less harmful. Very often, wastewater treatment plants would encounter saturation of the filter system, blockage, uh, mechanical failure, and power cut, and so forth. That could lead to poor effluent quality. So that means it may the effluent may contain more than tritium. Uh, we also know that the system cannot remove like a, a carbon fourteen. Um, so. If this is the case, the risk will be higher. The second uncertainty is that we believe the dilution is not the solution. If this is the case, then we don't need to have wastewater treatment plant in the world because the radioactive substance can bind onto suspended solids and then they may end up in sediments to reach a high level, causing the harmful effect. And also, the final point is no one really know what is the long-term cons the chronic impact of the tritiums and other wedolucrides uh, in low concentration in the marine environment. So far we know that even tritium can have negative impact on the sympantan, pentans and also larvae of different fish. And also these kind of, this kind of uh, radioactive elements can be accumulated in ponds and then they may be uptake for the footprint. So these are the three major uncertainties that we need to address. I think we should use this uh, uh, precautionary principle that with this uncertainty, it is not adequate to discharge those wastewater into the common oceans.
4: Okay, well, I have a few questions, but the first I have the interest. I'm, an, uh, I'm a very regular eater of uh, of Japanese seafood, and uh, I, would, I would hate to see uh, some of my Japanese seafood meals <laughs> to be uh, curtailed. So I have a, a direct interest to make sure that this doesn't happen. But okay. also, of course, I don't like to be polluted. So, so those are my, my personal interests. But then to the questions uh, to, to, uh, to Dr. Luck. I mean, this discussion has been going on for many years. Uh, and I think the Japanese government has been very aware of the concerns around the world. I mean, is the plan that they now have not sufficient uh, in terms of all the safeguards? I mean, well, where are the cons- Why why is it that we don't know, or do you know but you're unhappy? I mean, I thought that the Japanese government has been very forthright about uh, the co- the quality of the water and the systems that they're putting in place for the release. In an- in a, in a,
2: well i mean uh, i mean as uh, Professor professor has already mentioned there are there are a number of uncertainties that we are not quite sure you know mm-hmm. um what would be the long term effect of releasing um all this, this uh, such a large amount of um um you know even' if it's a filtered uh, as I, as uh, professor Can already mentioned there's no hundred percent. Uh, there's no such thing as a um, as a hundred percent filter, so there's always a uh, minute um sure, but that's uh, life
4: i mean uh, we're dealing with uh, with life here but, um, what is the real what is the risk i mean we have background nuclear uh, pollution in in our oceans i mean the, there is a background uh, presence of these elements in the water i mean to what extent are we talking about a significant increase
2: well um the the, the, the the big problem now is you know in the ocean or those uh, we we do have uh, you know some kind of like a, uh, you know radioactive material in the sea, but um, not a not as large as uh, this quantity you know, you're talking about um, you know a uh, um, uh, nuclear accident it's unlike you know the water released from uh, operating nuclear power plant which is a uh, sure know, um, yeah it's uh, tightly controlled but now we have so many so like um, uh, radioactive material 62 of them you know sure. uh, yeah, uh, and 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 yes if they if they can be filtered properly uh, then obviously that then then, that will help. then I, I, yeah, you, uh, within the uh, safe limit then obviously then then we, yeah that, that should be okay but but as the, again the, the the problem is them um, um you know as i mentioned you do it in the lab and when you come to the large scale release whether they can uh, stick to the you know the the, the plan or the uh, the the efficiency as in the lab that's that's the one of the we issues. should be careful yeah. All yeah. Right. So, so I'm not saying that we, we need to, um, you, know, at, uh, you know, taking a long-term ban on the, on the seafood, you know, uh, from Japan, because um, when I went there, I, I, I see that, um, you know, the, uh, the local resident in Fukushima, uh, both the uh, fishermen and uh, the farmer, they are taking a great effort to ensure uh, food safety. For example, you know, when I went to the fish market, and I see that in, inside the fish market, they actually have a, have a, have a, a test lab and they're actually taking samples, um, you know, from the, uh, from the fish and, the, and they, uh, the, they catch on the, on the day. And then uh, they take samples of that and then they do the measurement. And then they send to another lab uh, locally in um, uh, inside, uh, um, in uh, Fukushima prefecture. And uh, they have so many uh, gamma spectrometer. This, um, I've never seen it before. You know, over 20, 30 of the gamma spectrometers in the lab and uh, they employ so many um, sort of like retired people uh, to chop up the meat, chop up the fish, chop up the vegetable and they, they put it and they do a the very thorough testing. And then also, uh, that's not enough. They even send some sample to another te- uh, test lab uh, in, in Tokyo. Um, so in some extent, I can see that they, they are putting a lot of effort uh, um, you know, in ensure. Um, you know, the the food safety. And also uh, the, they want to protect their reputation. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I, I, I understand. So um, so I, I know they are doing a lot in Japan, in, in Fukushima. All right. uh, but uh, but as, as I say, um, you know, when you are doing a, a test in the lab, that's a, you know, very good, the, the result is very good. But when you come to uh, a large scale release, uh, as, as Professor Kenneth already mentioned, um, how 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 can you ensure the filters not being caught up, or how can you ensure the the, the filter is is effective? How are you going to do the monitoring, and ensure the. The plan is uh, working effectively. Right. So All right, this Professor is, Lung. This, is whole, uh, this is a whole. lot of things that we need to, uh, mm. um,
1: you know, ensure. All right, let's go to Professor Lung. Um, after listening to uh, Dr. Luke I mean, he's talking about how Japan uh, is putting a lot of care into uh, the food safety uh, food safety area. So, um, do you think it's really uh, it's necessary to ban Japanese seafood imports? Uh, immediately, as uh, suggested by some lawmakers here? Or um, should we wait until the wastewater is discharged as uh, planned by uh, the government?
3: So I I would like to assure the citizens in Hong Kong that uh, the contamination situation has been improved a lot since March 2011. Uh, During that first few years, the the contamination really, really bad. Uh, But now the situation has been improved. Uh, during the outbreak in 2011 our government used a risk-based approach in, initially the the there was a ban of the food import from the uh, Fukushima and the adjacent four province together so then after a few years later the situation improved then the food being allowed to import with the certification of a uh, uh, safe in, uh, uh, in the nuclear level uh, uh, radioactive level so then um, that was uh, uh, in practice, has been in practice for the past uh, uh, many years now so then uh, uh, the government already measured a sub-sample, randomly sample of the foods from uh, Japan and uh, among the uh, 780,000 samples, uh, none of them uh, really exceed the uh, safety limits so what does it mean? Uh, we, we do have a good system in terms of risk-based approach. Uh, so I I think uh, the government will set up this process because nothing changed since the uh, last many years. So the only changing agent is the discharge of this uh, wastewater uh, in, uh, in, in, in coming up. So I think um, we can implement the... Um, uh stepping up the uh the regulation uh uh, after they release the water. I think it's the white moment. Uh, Way now may be a little bit too immature.
1: All right. And uh, of course, if there is a, a ban, it will affect uh, Japanese restaurants, as uh, Paul was talking about earlier. Um, but how big will the uh, impact be? Um, let's uh, find out from uh, Dennis Wu, the uh, chairman of the Hong Kong Japanese Food and Cuisine Association, who is now on the line. Um, good morning, Mr. Wu.
5: Uh, good morning.
1: Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so, what's the view of members uh, of your association on the possible seafood ban from uh, Fukushima?
5: Um, well, um, first of all, we uh, uh, actually we're more. We have been complying with the government. Uh, we know the government has, has been uh, taking samples of uh, various Japanese food from Japan, so we know the food that are coming into Hong Kong are safe. Uh, for, uh, for consumption. Um, we are more um, worried about guess, false claims or harmful rumors that are going on right now uh, that would destroy the, the image of the Japanese uh, food in, uh, that, that are going on in Hong Kong.
4: Hmm. How many people are employed in the business, uh, in the Japanese food um, and cuisine businesses in Hong Kong? And then uh, you know, a lot of people uh, employed?
5: I'm sorry I don't have the the exact uh, numbers but uh, I think uh, there are more than 2000 Japanese restaurants in, in Hong Kong uh, Of suppose they all use uh, uh, some varieties of Japanese after food from Japan.
1: Right and uh, you you mentioned uh you you're more worried about the rumors that are is going on um but uh, what about the actual impact I mean if there is a seafood a, a ban um how much uh, I mean are are people concerned I mean, Uh, in in your association?
5: uh, Yes, of course, we are concerned about that. But uh, uh, the the fact is, uh, since the the Fukushima nuclear uh, power plant incident in 2011, uh, many foods from, uh, not only from Fukushima, but uh, prefectures surrounding Fukushima has already been banned or uh, are very strictly uh, controlled uh, by the Hong Kong government. So uh, since since uh, the incident, uh, uh, there has been uh, there hasn't been much food imported from area surrounding uh, Fukushima. So, uh, even if today they ban or they uh, they put more strict uh, strategy uh, or uh, strict uh, uh, rules on on those restrictions, um the impact will of from supply point of view, uh, the impact will be minimal.
4: And how do you know that? I mean, um, a fish is a fish. I mean, um, is there a sticker on it that says where they're from? I mean, how, how, how do you know that these measures are really controlling the uh, the fish that come in here?
5: Well, um, they, uh, since the incident, um, the government has been checking all products coming into uh, Hong Kong from Japan, especially uh, seafood products. Uh, and they have already uh, put putting some strong, uh, more straight, uh, stronger uh, checking process, uh, procedures uh, in May of this year, uh, mid-May of this year. Uh, for example, last, actually just two days ago, I have some uh, vegetals, uh, vegetables coming in from Okinawa. They are already uh, taking samples uh, for radio, uh, for uh, radioactive materials uh, contamination so, okay
4: so they tell you uh, well, they, they tell you that they check it that they give you advance notice yeah. or uh, they just uh, intercept it at the airport where how, how yes. does this work uh,
5: at the airport uh, they will take they they, um, they just took some samples from uh, Okinawa like I said it was a, a vegetable grown in Okinawa, which is you know a couple thousand kilometers away from Fukushima but uh, they they are checking not just seafood products, uh, but anything related to uh, to Japan. Mm. Uh, they are already doing some uh, checking.
1: Right. And uh, I mean, you mentioned that uh, inspections have already been uh, carried out. I mean, it's, it's ongoing. And I mean, just this week, the government said it will step up inspection of food, but uh, the process can take up to two weeks because of uh, the, the detail actually involved. And... Uh, and uh, it, it may affect the uh, freshness of food. Uh, is that uh, something you're worried about? I mean, would it affect business?
5: Yes, that um, that is a, a problem for us because you know the raw fish. Um, how we operate right now is um, the restaurants will order the, the will, will place order uh, after they close the store. Uh, for example, like uh, eleven o'clock in the evening, and then uh, the order will be uh, placed to Japan and they'll flow in. The, next, the very next day and and usually um, they would just uh, go through customs and then uh, mm-hmm. some, uh, some, some checking and then they will deliver to the restaurant um, the very next day uh, so which uh, which means that after placing order since we had fish uh, from Japan uh, before but now uh, yes uh, like you said uh, because the government is uh, checking off Checking the the radioactive materials, uh, which would take yes, ex- ex- uh, at least a week or ten days. So um, definitely, the, the the fresh fish from Japan will be uh will have a, a huge impact, and maybe we'll have to find some uh, replacements. Uh, from, uh, other than Japan.
4: Well, I'm a little bit confused I mean, I'm sure that the fish is not laying there for two weeks waiting for the result. The government is taking samples and the fish continues to flow to the restaurants. And only if there's a problem, then the government will start inspecting more of the fish that comes in, isn't it? I mean, it's not that they let the fish sit there for two weeks while they do their test.
5: Oh, yes. Right now it is. Uh, what, they if do? You, if you uh, import some raw fish, uh, then uh, 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 the government will, will take some samples. And we cannot release the products uh, uh until the government say it's safe uh for human consumption and then and then we can
4: so uh but we're sampling i mean uh, we're letting uh ninety percent or hundred or eighty nine percent in um and um so uh, that seems to be a bit of a silly system then yeah uh,
5: yes uh for example uh for, for tuna uh you know uh most uh, raw fish uh, coming to Hong Kong are, are tuna and, mm-hmm. and salmon. Uh, they are frozen, so uh, those are still okay. But uh, some raw fish uh, uh, are, are really got we uh, got uh, affected by uh, this uh, the checking process. Yeah, okay. All
1: right. Professor Lang, you're also the uh, chairman of the Advisory Council on Food and Environmental Hygiene. Is there? Do you have any suggestions? Is there any way around this or, or, or do uh, imported seafood have to wait that long?
3: I, I think, um, I, I guess we will take this uh, risk-based approach. Um, right now, uh, the government plan to uh, not just measure uh, gamma, but also beta and alpha radio activities. Mm. This will take more time. Uh, however, if we uh, uh, do these measurements uh, for a period and then showing that uh, beta and uh, alpha may not be the issue, then we will go back to this fast uh, detection just on the gamma. And that will save time uh what i mean uh, we need to have evidence to support our next move so i think uh, what the governments want to do to to make sure that uh, the food coming from japan's are safe to our citizens sure. and also i want to assure everyone that uh, japan is the last country uh for example uh, in the southern part of japan the, the water are safe and then the seafoods are safe and also uh, uh, apply to uh, Hokkaido Th- those uh, uh, seafood still can come into Hong Kong after this uh, random sampling process I think uh, we still have plenty of choice of seafood uh, not just in Japan but also from other countries.
1: All right, that that's good news for Paul, I guess. And um, let's go to Mr. Wu. Mr. Wu, um, we've got a bit more time before the news uh, summary that's about to, that's coming up soon. Um, now, apart from the possible seafood import ban and uh, the uh, stepped-up inspections, uh, officials also said they would consider tougher labeling rules for Japanese food as a precaution. Um, Mr. Wu, are you familiar with the labeling of Japanese food products right now? Um, can you tell uh, which prefecture a Japanese food product comes from? From just from from the
5: uh, label? Um, I'm not sure about the, the, what you're talking about, the, the label.
1: The label, um, the, the, the food labeling on the, on the Japanese food product. Can you, can you tell which uh, prefecture it actually comes from?
5: Uh, from the food label? Yeah. Uh, um, yes, um, they all have to show... Uh, actually, right now, it, it, it only shows the country um, on the label. But when we import, uh, we have to show... Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so the the government will know, but uh, from the label, it doesn't say which prefecture or uh, where this product is uh, produced.
1: All right, uh, Mr. Wu, I'm afraid I, we have to take a news break now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Dennis Wu, the chairman of the Hong Kong Japanese Food and Cuisine Association. And uh, Dr. Luke and Professor Leung will continue our discussion after the news when we will be joined by Tokyo-based journalist and author, William Pasek. Now, if you want to share your views on today's topics, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 2 2- 338266 and here's a quick look at the weather mainly cloudy with occasional showers and squally thunderstorms showers will be heavy at times the air top temperature today will be around 30 degrees winds will be light and right now it's 27 degrees relative humidity 92 percent it's now 9 30 with a new summary here's Barry O'Rourke
0: the Prince of Wales Hospital says a premature newborn has died after healthcare. after an equipment blunder meant the baby did not receive the drugs it required. The infant, born on Monday after less than 28 weeks of gestation, was put on a ventilator in intensive care and infusion. A legal scholar says accusations of copying against a national security judge underline the need for authorities to offer more guidance on avoiding claims of bias. Simon Young of the University of Hong Kong made the comments after High Court Judge Wilson Chan faced accusations of making extensive use of the words submitted by one party. And the Hong Kong Monetary Authority has followed the US Central Bank in leaving rates unchanged for the first time in more than a year. But the Chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, said the US decision was a pause and not an end to its policy of raising interest rates to try to curb inflation. And we'll have more news at 10 o'clock.
6: Wow, you look so good, darling.
0: Really?
1: You don't smell like cigarettes anymore.
0: The doctor said my blood pressure has improved, too. Friends said I play basketball better after quitting.
1: I knew you could do it, dear. I'm going
0: to ask my friends to quit smoking and download the Quit app to get a one-week smoking cessation drugs trial pack.
1: Everyone supports you to quit smoking. Don't give up.
0: Let's participate in the Youth Development Blueprint. If you are aged 18 to 35, with a young and open mind, self-nominate to join a range of government advisory committees. Express your innovative ideas and be the new dynamo of Hong Kong. Member Self-Recommendation Scheme for Youth. Be creative. Speak up. Registration ends on June 29th. Learn more now at hyab.gov.hk.
1: Welcome back. This is Backchat on a Thursday morning with Paul Zimmerman and me, Janice Wong. Still with us on the program is Dr. Luk-Bing Lam, Chairman of the Hong Kong Nuclear Society, and Professor Kenneth Leung, Director of City University's State Key Laboratory of Marine Pollution. And uh, joining us now is Tokyo-based journalist and author William Persek. Good morning, William. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, So how are people in uh, Japan reacting to this plan to uh, dump radioactive wastewater in the ocean?
7: Well, you know, I would say about 10 days ago, they weren't reacting very much at all. But in most recent few days, this has gotten a lot more attention. It's getting a lot more attention um, on NHK. Um, The national broadcaster is getting more attention in the media, partly because you have civic um, action committees. You also have... um, non-government organizations, you have fishery organizations pushing back and talking about how this is just as much of a risk to Japan and and many of its industries as it is to the neighborhood, and please act carefully. And I think the timing of this is difficult for the prime minister. Prime Minister Kushida, uh, any day now, might be trying to call a snap election um, at a moment when his approval ratings are rising. So this is one of those controversies that, you know, 12 years after the Fukushima crisis, it's really the last thing Japan's government wants to be dealing with, so it is getting more attention all of a sudden
1: right. and uh, of course uh, Hong Kong and Macau they they've both said that they would ban seafood imports from Fukushima if the wastewater is released. Uh, has there been much media coverage on that?
7: There has been um you know and, and I think this issue is always becomes very controversial because I think um, you know when when you have these regional disputes of any on any level. Um, many Japanese will argue, well, you know, we're being victimized, our economy's being victimized because of geopolitical concerns. But this one is different, right? When you're talking about radiation leaks, you're talking about it's an international issue at, at every turn. It's not a domestic issue. And I think that there is increasing focus on this, and we are seeing more media attention, and, and people are genuinely concerned about the, the fallout, not only for the food chain here in Japan, but also for the geopolitical situation uh, at a at very tense moment.
1: Right, and, and uh, let's go to a uh, Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke. Hello. So, so as we just heard from William, many people are worried uh, in Japan, and uh, Japan's neighbors are worried. So, is releasing wastewater the best option?
2: This is a difficult question to answer. <laughs> uh, obviously, I mean, if um, uh, the, if Japanese can, sort of like, build more tanks and. Um, and to store them for a longer period of time, that, that will help. Um, but obviously... Uh, how,
4: how would that help? How You said uh, it because, will help? Uh,
2: yeah because um uh, one thing about um uh, radiation is that uh, if you let uh, if you let the radiation settle down the longer you leave it um the the less uh, radiation i mean because of you know you know radi- uh, radioactive material they're not stable so they will uh, try to um try to uh, um sort of like decay to become a stable stable item, uh, stable element so you will leave it in the tank for a longer period of time then uh, the, the 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 radiation level will will will, will reduce, okay so, uh, it, but the problem is um, uh, because the waters keep coming, uh, keep coming down from the hill. So that make the make the problem uh, very difficult. So the only way they can they can solve the problem is actually to take out the uh, damaged uh, core. You know the, the the reactor core, all the damaged fuel, uh, uh, you know, radi- uh, uh, reactor fuel. But they can take them out, all the uranium, take them out, and, and then and then there's a, a way to, to uh, um, solve this uh, uh, wastewater problem without taking the damaged uh, uh, fuel rot out. Uh, I mean, the problem will prolong. Um, so this this is a dilemma because um, in order to take out this um, um, uh, fuel, they need uh, space. Uh, to work on uh, at the moment surrounding the whole uh, site uh, i mean basically at the moment the whole site is surrounded by uh, a lot of, uh, of you know this wastewater tank so so this is the dilemma uh, i mean um, uh, I, I think the the option is um, it's not much really um, uh, unless um, because um, Locally, I think they will have a strong opposition if they want to build a tank outside Fukushima, uh, uh, outside the nuclear power plant. I think that will, they, they will have a, a great difficulty to do that. So, um, so I, I think the Japanese government has little option but to uh, release the water. I think.
1: Mm. Right, and William, it, was that uh, something that that's been uh, discussed uh, by the Japanese government? I mean, uh, keep like storing the radioactive wastewater for longer. Yes, I
7: mean it certainly is among the options. Um, there have been a variety of options that Japan's been kicking around for 12 years now. I think one of the most interesting parts of this is that you know I, I was here in 2011 uh, in the darkest days of the Fukushima uh, meltdown, and if you told any of us then, 12 years later, we would still be grappling with this problem, still trying to figure out ways to dispose of this, you know, the, this contaminated water. I think a lot of us would have would have not believed you. So mm-hmm. it is interesting that we're still dealing with it all the all these years later. And I think that this this issue gets very complicated because um, you know basically TEPCO, which is the the company um, that you know was administering the Fukushima site, the nuclear power plants, the Daiichi power plants, um, it's a company that doesn't engender great public trust, and I think that's part of the problem too. I think twelve years on, if the government were more actively involved and regulators were more actively involved in this, what they call a controlled, um, you know, basically discharge of water, I think people might feel a bit better about it. No one really trusts TEPCO. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's a problem for the government at a moment because you do have these perceptions around the world that Japan is doing something that's risky. And the fact that TEPCO is still testing out the equipment to discharge this nuclear contaminated water into the Pacific, it's still, in, in a sense, it's still trying to figure out if this technology is going to use is going to work. That doesn't engender uh, confidence either. So it's, way, the, just, it's a very complicated issue for the Japanese.
4: I, th- I think the, the most most concerning here for me, just sitting on the other side of the of the line, is the fact that um, it it continue. We continue to have new contamination. We continue to increase the amount of water that is contaminated because we haven't stopped the contamination yet.
7: Yes. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's still, and I think what we have to remember is that Fukushima, is, is, it's a live issue. It's a live problem. It isn't as if we're only dealing with legacy of mistakes made you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, but we're still dealing with a compounding mistake, a compounding error as we speak. And there is, there is a question about the extent to which TEPCO and Japanese nuclear regulators are in a position to deal with, with these mistakes and these, these, comment, these compounding problems.
1: All right. so so um, William, if um, wastewater is discharged and Hong Kong uh, does uh, ban seafood imports from <laughs> Fukushima, do you have any idea how much uh, economic impact it would have on uh, Japan?
7: Well, I mean, it, it, I mean, we're not, we're not talking about tens of billions of dollars, but we are talking about some economic impact, and we're talking about economic impact in a very politically uh, powerful industry. Right? Fisheries should, you know, traditionally, took the, the ruling Liberal Democratic Party. They're a very, very powerful vote uh, within the coalition government. And anything that hurts their their interests um, is going to have it's going to reverberate through the political system at a moment when Prime Minister Kushida is talking about uh, calling for a snap election. And I think the other issue too is that we're talking about parts of Japan, Fukushima, but also Ibaraki. These are areas of Japan where the economy is somewhat distressed, right? They're they're somewhat removed from any economic growth that Japan has in the best of times. They don't get a lot of tourism, of course. And so anything that compounds the economic problems in rural Japan and anything that affects farmers and fisheries is going to have political repercussions here in Tokyo.
4: I just wonder, uh, Kenneth, Lung, um, if, if the Japanese community is so concerned themselves about the quality of the seafood and and also the Japanese industries are so concerned about uh, potential backlashes overseas, I mean, it seems that Hong Kong's anxiety is somewhat overdone and we were protected by the, the anxieties that are out there in Japan.
3: So I think um, if the treatment of the wastewater really effective uh, then the efforts only contain tritium which is less harmful i think japan can put them in their own lakes or in uh, some water underground uh, water storage area i think this can be done uh, for example uh, they just need space to hold this uh, 500 swimming pool volume i mean uh, in hong kong we have 100 this type of swimming pool already, although we are very tiny city. But in whole Japan, they can cater such kind of uh, water storage facility because tritium half-life only is 12 years. After the 12 years, the water can be used. Uh, so if they contain this problem within Japan, I think this will, uh, will make everyone happy and then there will not, uh, will not have such a backfire uh, to affecting their economy. So I think this may be a more adequate direction they should consider. Although there will be some, uh, uh, um, how to say, investment in, in the infrastructure, so, but that may be well spent money.
4: William, is that reasonable?
7: It certainly sounds reasonable, but I think that. In many cases, the government here and TEPCO certainly, I think they want to seem like they're acting. They want to seem like they're they're making progress. And I think that's why you're seeing the urgency to test out this new equipment to discharge the nuclear contaminated water. But, I mean, it's a fair point. Um, there probably is an argument that Japan, um, that, that TEPCO, Japan, Fukushima um, could allow this you know this water to age a bit more and and perhaps mm. to you know make the process safer look like I'm clearly you can hear from from what I'm saying you know, i'm I'm an economics writer i'm a I'm a political writer um so I'm not a scientist but I do think that the there is urgency here on the ground to appear to be acting twelve years after the events of Fukushima you know we can debate whether or not that's the right thing to do but I think things are in motion at the moment and you will see this uh, this this discharge in uh, the days and weeks ahead. It, it will happen.
1: All right. And uh, Professor Leung, I just want to go back to you You're talking about uh, mm. uh, the uh, how um, Japan can uh, maybe uh, release the wastewater in, in their own legs. Um, I just want to talk about the situation in France. I mean, they've been uh, releasing tritium for a long time in, into the sea and uh, it's been OK, right so far?
3: Uh, I think the situation is different because those um, uh, only for the regular uh, uh, maintenance purpose. Uh, they they will not discharge every day. Uh, it's more one one off per year. You end. It's very different from the current situation. Uh, the, the Japanese going to discharge this. Trust is, uh, treated wastewater every day for 30 years.
4: Sure, but it's a slow release, isn't it? I mean, it's not like an instant, uh, you know, open up the gates and let it all flow. I mean, it's a slow release. I mean, we can't discuss about the, the speed of release or the length, the duration for the period.
3: But, but we have to consider the total amount of tritium and other uh, radioactive contaminants altogether. Then in terms of the absolute loading, that would be a uh, unprecedented, uh, in compared with those uh, um, operating plants in a good condition.
4: But if we don't do it and we don't move the water, then we can't fix the continuous leaking that is taking place. So, I mean, rocking a hardball, isn't it?
3: <laughs> yes, I think, I think we shouldn't um, limit to the current technology. I think in the 30 years down the line, there will be more innovation, more better solution, cheaper solution to deal with the problem. Sure, but then and we have uh, 30
4: years more of contaminated water because there's a continu- water continues to be contaminated.
3: You no, know, I mean the argument is, I mean we cannot stop Japan to do it uh, if they want to do it. So I mean that Japan should also look for other alternatives uh, during these coming years. You see what I mean? in fact uh, the canada has the technology that can remove tritium, but the cost is very high so at the end of the day it's about the cost effectiveness um, uh, whether the government can afford to pay such a big bill all
1: right and dr luke do you have anything to add
2: yeah well uh, basically uh, i know in the in the nuclear industry uh, handling um, uh, radioactive uh, fluid or liquid is is uh, problematic um, because it can uh, uh, you can uh, leak through to the uh, water tables and all that, so it, it can create a lot of problems. So I I do understand why why Japan um, you know uh, uh, hesitate to to store because uh, uh, like like cases like um, like um, you, know, you know you know the Hanford site in uh, near Seattle. I mean they also have a large tanks storing uh, uh, you know radioactive Substance. Some of them with liquids, and 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 it's difficult to to ensure that they don't leak uh, to 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 the drinking water. So 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 um, in the industry, in the nuclear industry, um, uh, radioactive liquid is always problematic, and it, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult to deal with. Um, so uh, so I do understand that you know it's it's um, it's difficult for the Japanese government to deal with. Um, but uh, I, I do understand that uh, you know no. the um, the local resident is taking a great effort to uh, ensure you know um, uh, only the uh, the food only the uh, uh, safe food are actually uh, uh, are being sent out uh, you know from uh, 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 Fukushima. So. Mm. So uh, that, that, that's something that uh, I think uh, the chance of getting uh, polluted food to Hong Kong is very, very very slim.
1: All right, uh, Dr. Luke, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Dr. Luke Bing Lam, Chairman of the Hong Kong Nuclear Society. Many thanks also to Professor Kenneth Leung, Director of City University's State Key Laboratory of Marine Pollution, and Tokyo-based journalist and author William Pasek. It's now 9.47, and in a moment, we'll uh, look at, uh, we'll discuss a nanoparks revitalization pilot project in Mong Kok. 95
0: years of public service broadcasting.
5: Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, I'm Michael Wong, the Deputy Financial Secretary. For the past 95 years, RTHK has shared a common journey with Hong Kong people. Going forward, I trust that RTHK will continue to provide Hong Kong with more programs that are rich in content,
0: and that can move our hearts 95 years of public service broadcasting stay tuned. Stay, tuned. stay tuned with hong kong
4: you're listening to backchat call us on 233 266 and have your say
1: the Urban Renewal Authority on Sunday announced its plan to revitalize Mong Kok through a Nanoparks revitalization pilot project which may feature smart public fitness equipment. The first stage of the project is expected to begin in the first half of next year and the revitalization of six leisure areas in Shandong Street is expected to be completed within 4 years. To comment on the plan we are now joined on the line by Dr Peter Cookson Smith, the founder of Urban Planning Consultancy firm Urbis. He's also a former president of the Hong Kong Institute of Planners. Good morning, Dr. Smith. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So um, what do you think of this uh, idea of putting nanoparks in Mong Kok? Uh, is it a best way to revitalize such a densely populated part of Hong Kong?
6: Well, yes, I think it is i mean we, we you know we we of course uh, live in a very highly urbanized situation um where the population density is is almost three thousand persons per hectare in the twenty three percent of occupied territory where most of us live work and and, and recreate so Mong Kok is certainly one of the densest uh, parts of the urban area and i I think it's a it 's obviously a very very good situation um I, I think particularly also while we're on the subject of inclusive parks or pocket parks, um, you know, particularly in the urban area, we do, of course, need to ensure that these contribute to, to urban design and comfort um, for everybody. Uh, many of the passive spaces are present quite I don't think they're terribly uh, well-designed in terms of tree planting, shaded seating areas, well-designed furniture, and so on. Um, and, And we do have to cater for the elderly in particular, but also for small children who require some kind of play equipment. Um, so it's important to ensure that all users are catered for.
4: It is, it, this is led by the URA. Is, are these nanoparks um, uh, temporary, uh, pending the redevelopment of the larger areas? I mean, are buildings going to be taken out or, and then nano parks going to be put in for several years and, and then we're going to redevelop the larger area?
6: As far as I know, uh, th- th- this, is a, this is a step in the right direction. Um, you you know, the, for, for, for a long time, the URA... Um, that, of course, stands for Urban Renewal Authority. Um, it, many, many people would say it should stand for Urban um, Urban Redevelopment Authority. But what it really needs to be concentrating, and I think particularly at the moment where we do have such high densities in the urban area, is to make the process more um, regenerative. Mm. Um, uh, I, I, and, and I think also, you know, these new spaces should really form part of a of a connective system of of, of green spaces and green pedestrian links in the urban area.
4: So, so no 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 fences, no gates I mean uh, you wanted these spaces to be open
6: uh, I, I would I would say yes uh, I, I can't see too much reason for putting fences or walls around them or locking them up, up, up at night unless there's really something <laughs> important to protect
4: well the, there um, is there is the issue in Kok, of course of people the informal use of these spaces so storage uh, um, y- yeah. whatever else goes on um, uh, in, in life in those little parks
6: yes Uh, i mean i think you know redevelopment over the years has done little to enhance that public realm um which, which has had to serve more and more people and more visitors so you know pedestrian comfort has been neglected in 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 areas like montauk and and while the injection of new spaces is a very positive move we also need to be thinking about a future where private vehicles are perhaps limited uh, where we're likely to have more autonomous transport and where pavements can be widened to incorporate tree planting and seating so i think this is really all part of a wider picture
4: are you happy with the plans then for those nano parks overall
6: i'm not i'm not sufficiently familiar with the plans of the nano parks i mean Mm -hmm. this has just been announced by the by the ura i think it's a very definitely a move in the right direction um, and of course it also comes at a time when we've had another announcement about uh, 54 inclusive um, uh, nano parks related to uh, to pets, a reflection of the fact that there are now 221,000 pet dogs in the city, um, actually around 3% of the number of residents in the city, so clearly we do have to think inclusively. Um,
4: but, and so, then this focus on these equipment and these exercise equipment—is yeah, there yeah. a risk we're going to overdo them in, instead of keeping them simple? Uh,
6: I, I, we 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 do see you know areas of of of, of, of equipment even uh, in the fringe of country parks you know around the around the peak walkways and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I, th- I think, from my own observation, they are really quite well used um, by a variety of people, both both old and young. So I I, I don't have any problems with that. Um, I mean, clearly we have to look at these in terms of design. We have to ensure that they are sufficiently, uh, you know, pr- pr- protective at, at ground level in case people fall off high bars and things like that. But by and large, I think they're quite well useful.
4: And, and the, the, what would what be the priority for these spaces? I mean, is it uh, seating and shading and water supplies where people can have a drink of water?
6: um yeah well 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 yes and, and i've i've just said too you know it's also a reflection of the fact that um you know we we have 52 pet gardens and and uh, 116 inclusive pet parks um out of some 1600 parks and gardens in the city so you know we 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 do have to cater for more and more for for for, for pets um and, uh, you, you know, I, I suspect that many dog owners will say that, you know, there, there are still restrictions on, on, on pets and, and control of these. Um, so, uh, you know, we I, I, I think this is all part and parcel of the bigger picture. Um, pet owners are restricted in traveling on trains or franchise buses with their dogs. Um, and, and I think the only uh, animals that are allowed to be uh, carried on buses are, are guide dogs, for example. So, again, I, I, I think we're talking really about spaces being used far more inclusively by by, by various
4: people and their, and their pets. Well, good, good to hear you're pro-pet. So, who's going to manage these spaces? Are we talking about LCSD or the URA <laughs> or main, or the Home Affairs uh, we'll Department? USP, who's going to be?
6: undoubtedly. Um, <laughs> uh i mean it, it I, I don't i don't really think um i mean i i walk past um, m- most days in mid levels to a, a really quite a nice uh, open space it's full of play equipment it it has sufficient seating it's not terribly exciting it's poorly planted um and i think maybe we have to get beyond this uh, you know approach of making things simply easy to maintain <laughs> very simple you know I go to China quite regularly and I look at some of the new spaces in Chinese cities and they are really excellent uh, in terms of the materials they use, the comfort of, uh, of seating arrangements. And and we have to say that, you know, in practice, a lot of these uh, new nanospaces will be used by elderly people. And they don't just go and sit and and stare into space. They go with friends and colleagues. Sometimes they play chess. So, you know, the the relationship of furniture and everything else needs needs to be carefully addressed, I think. Um, I don't really think maintenance needs to be a problem.
4: Is is there a good opportunity here for... um getting students involved, uh, calling for competitions, of idea competitions for each of these parks and spaces, and then get the community involved in looking mm. at the design ideas. I mean, is there a process identified to make this exciting?
6: Yes, perhaps through the, through district boards. I do believe that there should be community consultation at, at all levels. Uh, and it's always good to um, to bring in students. Um, we're, we're at the moment operating on an idea to get uh, three universities, Universities involved in, in proposals for parts of the harbour front too, so you know that would include interesting spaces and destinations for visitors and tourists. Um, and I think you know we do have to, you know, really think. Think forward. Pedestrian comfort has been neglected. Um, and, uh, you know, whereas the injection of new spaces is a positive mood, we d- we do need to be thinking thinking about the future. Um, and we have, um, you know, many other situations. Barcelona is an excellent example. Um, in the 1980s, when they were coming out of rather dark times, one of the regenerative aspects of the city was the injection of about 100 uh, spaces and uh, you know along with pavement widening and so on and so forth so pedestrian comforts and usability in the city is something that's been addressed elsewhere and it, it's probably time we looked at this rather
4: closely and new york city has done that too isn't it uh, yes, taking away road indeed. spaces and, and yes. um, making a public space
6: mm, mm, public spaces by 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 closing highways or or, or widening pedestrian avenues um, I think one other thing that could be done in Mong Kok, again, walking around, you see very narrow spaces, maybe only uh, six feet wide sometimes between the older blocks. Uh, every single one that I notice are really neglected. They're dirty. They're drab. They have nothing happening at ground level at all because they, they face onto uh, uh, service spaces. But, I mean, these could be revitalized. Um, the Kuntong um, 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 area office has, has done a good job in in decorating some of the older. Well cleaning uh, up the back alleys between yes between between old old flatted factory buildings uh, and they're beautifully done. They've been painted up by artists. Invited people to come along, and they are now really quite quite widely used.
4: But they had the uh, the office there. They had the uh, energising. Kowloon. Energizing,
6: energizing, Calvin. That's
4: right. That's right. Yes, and so, the yes. question then for for Mong Kok, is: Do we get an energizing Hong office that is going I, to I look after? I think it would be an
6: excellent idea. I, in fact, I think every district should should have an energizing. I mean, I know your are work is done down in the uh, um, uh, Hong Kong Island South, and you know all these are really good initiatives. Uh, they make the city more livable, more workable, more enjoyable. And and I think I think it's high time we really looked at all of these aspects simply as part of a betterment of the city initiative that's all good right. one to
4: end on
1: yes all right so dr thanks, smith peter. we'll have to uh, okay. leave it here for now Thank and thanks again Thank for joining us this morning that's uh, dr peter cookson smith the founder of urban planning consultancy firm urbis many thanks also to you who commented or emailed us today and to our guest presenter paul zimmerman and producer Raphael. andrew work and kaha will be back with another edition of Chat tomorrow